Well, a team of BC-based researchers has sounded the alarm over over dodgeball. Yes, that's right. These uh, researchers are warning that uh, teaching kids to swarm their peers and then pelt the weakest one with balls reinforces bullying behavior. And they go as far as to suggest that dodgeball is a, quote, tool of oppression. Now, Dr. David Burns is uh, one of the co-researchers on this project, and he's on the line and joins us to discuss further here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Burns, good afternoon, and thanks for the time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks. So, Doctor, tell us, why do you believe dodgeball? Why do you think that game, why is it teaching our kids to be bullies? Well, bullies collects quite a number of different characteristics, and I'd like to narrow it down a little bit. In school, you need opportunities to practice the things we want you to exhibit as you get older. And the reverse is also true. So if we give you opportunities to practice things that we don't think are good characteristics in young people or adults, then we can expect that to occur as well. And so for dodgeball specifically, there are all sorts of these elements of the game that encourage you to take delight and joy in isolating persons and throwing things at people as hard as you can. And while those on an individual interaction basis, you know, just that one game you play, don't add up to much, over time we're giving a lot of opportunities for people to practice things very similar to bullying. And you actually take this a step further in your research, and you say that dodgeball is not only teaching our kids to be bullies, but it's actually a, a tool of oppression? So in the the literature, the term oppression gets used in a bunch of really specific and different ways. So the way that might come across in normal conversation could make it sound, I think, more extreme than it is. But what it does is it enables people who are already disempowered in one way or another, you know, the proverbial little kid in the class, to get dug further into that hole of, of isolation and bullying, and in that way can be oppressive to the student. Yeah, can you tell us a bit about, because uh, uh, you go really into some deep analysis here, that you believe this game, dodgeball, reinforces kind of the, the five faces of oppression. Could, could you expand on that a little bit? You'd probably have to leave that one to Dr. Butler. That's more in her area of expertise, and I'd probably accidentally misrepresent it. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, why you believe that, uh, that these kids uh, that, that are participating in dodgeball, you believe that they really are being kind of marginalized. Uh, how does that happen inside the game? Well, in the game itself, you mean specifically? Yeah. Uh, well, the point of the game, of course, is to eliminate persons so that they have fewer people that, to play against than you do, right? So in, in dodgeball, you're meant to enjoy those moments when you've isolated someone, right? That's a, a moment of triumph. And unlike in a lot of other games, there's no... Uh, sort of sportsman-like norm around saying, okay, well, there's only one person left. Why don't we let a couple of people back into the game so that we can make this interesting and competitive rather than simply asserting ourselves over a largely defeated group of people. And you're also concerned about the act of uh, throwing something at uh, someone. I mean, does that kind of harken back to, uh, I don't know, uh, the days of stoning and that, that sort of thing for you? Well, that's obviously quite uh, an extreme interpretation of the thing. I mean, what I'm thinking is is... It does go back that far, actually, but in ancient Greece, even since then, it's been believed that the kind of games we play, the kind of literature we read, they all represent opportunities to reinforce good or bad behavior, right? And so all the way back to Plato, there were discussions in Plato's Republic about the kind of games and poems people should engage with on the road to being good citizens. And you actually talk a bit about that as well in the study, that you say that schools, they need to ask themselves some tough questions. They need to ask aloud, what are we teaching our kids through dodgeball? And are schools that have allowed dodgeball, do you think that they're being somehow, I don't know, academically negligent? 
Well, negligence has a, a really specific meaning, and I'm not sure that I could say that for a particular school. I would say, though, however, that they're at the very least missing a significant opportunity. I mean, these kind of little things are quite important in professions. You know, when they did some research years ago that the ties that doctors often wear carry bacteria, you would have said, okay, well, why are we wasting money or time or what have you looking into like a doctor's tie? Well, it, it turns out it can be a Petri dish that follows the doctor around the clinic all day. And so those little choices that you make, whether or not to wear a tie, actually are really significant. And the same thing is true when you pick games in schools. So I think schools that don't think about why they're employing dodgeball might be missing really significant opportunities. Not quite negligence, but they ought to ask deeper questions, certainly. And again, what we've been discussing here, what exactly is this activity, this game? Uh, what is it uh, teaching kids? And uh, I think supporters of dodgeball, they, they might argue that the game actually teaches some valuable life lessons, that uh, the world is a place where only the strong survive and flourish and that it's the so-called survival of the fittest out there. Uh, what would your response be to that? Well, those aren't really values that we want adults to hold, really. And while sometimes people will often say that it is survival of the fittest, almost no one, when push comes to shove, accepts that when they are deemed to not be the fittest, right? So when we go bankrupt, we hope that there are systems there to protect us. When we are fired, we hope there is a welfare system to make sure we don't you know, lose our homes or not be able to feed our children. The, the world is always a mixture of competition and empathy. And in particular, for the people that are most vulnerable at that moment, it's totally inadequate to say, I'm sorry, it's always been survival of the fittest. Yeah, but does competition not have its value as well? That uh, when you're in a competitive circumstance, uh, when you maybe don't live up to your expectations, you go back to the drawing board, you, you rethink, mm. you revalue, you, you come back, uh, try harder? Well, those are all pieces of competition against yourself. It's, it's much more like golf than dodgeball in that case, where you're trying to do something to be good and you're competitive about it, but your chief enemy is, is getting better yourself, right? So you're trying to compete, and that's true. And you can learn that in dodgeball, but you learn it at the expense of some of these other negative lessons. Yeah, just uh, finally, because I'm sure there's some in their cars listening to this right now and would say that, uh, really, you, you've read this much into dodgeball? Uh, what would you say to some that would argue that maybe you're just taking dodgeball a little too seriously? Well, it's probably true that I am taking dodgeball too seriously, but it is a really good example. And so what happens as an academic, you take a look at these big systems and these systemic problems, and of course, it's really hard to get people to pay attention to them and to have a conversation about it. But if you can connect it to something people encounter in day-to-day -day life, with which we're all familiar, and I think basically everybody I've spoken to knows dodgeball, then you could take these really big, amorphous, complex things and bring it to a level that people who are busy doing other things can say, oh, okay, yeah, I know enough about that, that this is an interesting conversation worth paying attention to. All right. Certainly an interesting conversation with you this afternoon, <laughs> Dr. David Burns. Uh, Dr. Burns, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, sir.